Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. Who is excited for the Super Bowl today? Anybody? Yay! Um, I've, I've heard that Americans spend about $17 billion on food, drinks, and party supplies. At least that was the case for the 2020 Super Bowl. So how many of you are at least looking forward to the food for the Super Bowl? Yeah, somebody? All right. Um, so we are going to do a quick um, trivia. I want to know, do I have two people who would be brave enough to come up here to answer some trivia questions related to the Super Bowl? Sports Super Bowl trivia. Because I happen to have, if anyone is hungry, which is the name of our new series title, I've got a bag full of chips and dip and some soda and some candy. Come on up here. If I have, mo- if I have more than two, Matthias, you want to come up? Go ahead. Daniel, I can have three. That's fine. That's totally fine. All right. All right. Oh, all right. Excellent. They are, they are sports questions. All of these are Super Bowl related. So I'm going to go on the honor system here. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. I don't trust you guys. I'm going to ask a question. You guys think about it. You can, you know, you can ask audience for answers, but it depends on how much you trust them. All right? And then I'm going to ask you to give me your answer, okay? We'll go through a few, and then if we need to do a, um, a tiebreaker, we can. Okay, first question. What teams have won the most Super Bowls? Do not answer yet. There's two here. What teams have won the most Super Bowls? I'm going to give you a second. I wouldn't listen to the, I wouldn't listen to the audience. All right, Matias, do you have an answer? Steelers. Steelers is definitely one. Do you, do you have another guess? Patriots. Yes, he got it right. Steelers and the Patriots. Matias is... I should have waited. That was my mistake. Was it, what, is everyone else going to say that? The Patriots? All right, you get half points. What was your answer going to be? Patriots and Giants. All right, thank you for being honest. All right, what about you? Were, all right, so we've got Joe and Matias right now in the lead. All right, next time I've learned my lesson for how to give trivia. Um, by the way, we are having a Hope Church trivia night, which I will not be leading, thank God. <laughs> Um, that is going to be February 24th. It's a Friday at 7 p.m. So you can sign up online. It's $20 a person, but it's going to be an awesome night with a way better trivia person and food included. So sign up for that online if you haven't. Second question here. We're going to do about five of these. Um, which player has the most Super Bowl rings in history? Think of your answer. Think of your answer. All right, I'm going to start on this side. Joe? Do you want to come back to you? I passed because I forgot it. All right. My brother, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, your brother, okay. Guess? Tom Brady. Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Tom Brady's correct. All right, so we got Matias in a strong lead here. All right. Um, 
What two teams are tied for the most Super Bowl losses? Now this is tricky because they have to actually get to the Super Bowl to then lose the Super Bowl. So it doesn't mean they're bad teams. Which two teams have tied for the most Super Bowl losses? They each have, they each have five losses, if that helps. Any answer, Matios? You're going to say the Bills? All right. Any other teams? Bills and Jets, you say? Sports. Sports. <laughs> Bills. Bills. Two teams. Two teams. Oh, Bills, Steelers. No. 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 Broncos, Patriots. Who said it? Ah, awesome. Look at that. You should have been up here. I can't give you points, but. All right, let's do, let's do one more. Um, Let's see, what is the highest score ever by one team in a Super Bowl game? And I would give you points even if you got the team that got the highest points. Chiefs. Chiefs, you're saying? Green Bay. Green Bay. Are we picking the team or the score? The team. At this point, it sounds like the team. Uh, Nobody's ventured a score. I'm going to say uh, the Oilers. Oilers. And uh, 69. Okay. And Matias, what's your guess? Chiefs. Chiefs, all great guesses. It's my husband's team, the 49ers. Anybody have that? All right, you know what? I'm going to have to say, Matias, I think you got the most correct answers, so I'm going to give you this pack here. Thank you guys for playing. Awesome. Never again will I do trivia up here. Probably should have had them write that down secretly amongst them. I don't know. Here we are. Um, but I don't know about you. When I go to the Super Bowl, my friends usually host, and so I show up and we bring food. I say we bring food, but my husband makes the wings, so that's, that's our contribution. Um, I usually have a strategy. Does anyone else have a strategy when you get to food, like a buffet? Okay? Like, I'm going to walk in and be like, okay, first of all, there's five bags of chips, so we're not going to run out of that anytime soon. So I need to focus on the things that are going to go quick. All right, it's going to be the cheese, and it's going to be the wings, and then after that I can, like, you know, layer it. So after, after halftime I can go and approach the chips, and I know they're still going to be there. Um, maybe for some of you, you think, okay, I know that I want to show up hungry, so maybe I'm going to eat breakfast, I might do a light lunch, but man, I want to, by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, I want to be hungry for the good stuff. And I have to be honest, I am, I don't know about you guys, I am not used to being very hungry, okay? Maybe it's just, you know, again, my privilege um, that, I, that I have not been um, ever really in need of that kind of food, but I, even, even when it comes to fasting, sometimes I've given up maybe like a kind of food, um, or a kind of drink, but usually I'm not giving up food for a long period of time. So I don't really know that, that how it feels to be super, super hungry. But I do know how it feels maybe to come in after a long day of work, or maybe, you know, as a kid when you go to the beach and you're out in the sun all day long and you're having fun, and then you come in and you're like, oh man, I am really hungry. And most of us could say that we know the signs, what it means to be hungry. So shout out, what are some things that happen when we're hungry? Hangry, someone said? Yes. That's a... Delirious. Stomach growling, famished, someone said, I think. Hallucinations. Hallucinations. <laughs> if we go far enough, yep, yep. Right, you're weak, you're feeling maybe shaky sometimes. This is why people say do not go to the grocery store when you're hungry, right? Because you're going to buy like 10 bags of that thing that looks so great at the store. And we know that the solution to hunger when we, when we are hungry is to eat, 
right? We, we can recognize that. But we're starting a new series today called Hungry, and we're talking not just about physical hunger, but how maybe we have a different kind of hunger that we feel from time to time for spiritual things, for something deeper, for something that matters. And I think maybe we, we wonder, like, well, what does a spiritual hunger feel like? Who experiences that? How do we feel it? And that's one of the things we want to address during this series. I know when I was growing up, I heard this phrase, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And it was this idea that, that all of us is kind of longing for something and searching for something, and it's this void inside us that only God is the right shape and size to fill, right? Or um, a little cheesier, but when I was a kid, uh, there was this v- VBS, Vacation Bible School, which was like a summer kids thing, and there was a group called the Donut Repair Club. Has anyone heard of the Donut Repair Club? Yeah? Okay, look at that. Um, and so they, they came and they had this thing where they had a, a donut, and the donut represents each of us, and then there's a hole in the donut, right? And so we all have this hole, and then the little munchkin was supposed to be Jesus, and that was supposed to fill our hearts and, and complete us as a donut. Um, and so it's, again, it's a cheesy, right? More food, always food. Um, but it was this idea that we're looking for something and we're waiting and hoping to find something that will fill it. Maybe you're here and you're wondering that same thing. Maybe you're like, I feel like I'm a little empty. I'm a little restless. I'm searching for something. And maybe you've heard people say that Jesus is the answer. And you're like, what, is, what does that actually mean? What does it mean that Jesus loves me? What does it mean that God fills me and satisfies me? I want to know what that's about. And if that's how you feel, you're not alone. Um, according to a um, website I found, intimacywithgod.com, the top two religious and theological searches online for 2022, the first one, the first search was, what is love? What is love? Seven and a half million people just about asked that question. The second most asked question, according to this website, was, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is this guy? And so as, as significant as it is that that many people are searching for who is Jesus, I think it's very telling that so many people, that over 7 million people are asking, what is love? What is love? What is, where do I find that? What does it look like? Because it's interesting to me because the Bible says that God is love, that he is the representation of love, that he is the definition of love. And so it could be that people are searching for something and they don't even realize yet that it's God but they're searching and they feel that emptiness. And so if you feel that way too, you are not alone. And so I want to look, as we go through this series, I want to look a little bit at Jesus' life. Okay, because if we are saying that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the thing that fills us, then maybe that's where we need to start and look at what Jesus would do. And I know, I know we say sometimes, what would Jesus do? And we try to look at how Jesus told us to live. And we're going to get to some of that. But I want us to look a bigger picture and look at just who Jesus was. Man, because if we're going to follow somebody, if we're going to expect someone to fill us, we better be able to see what they care about, what they love, the way that they act, the way that they live. So I want us to look through these stories of Jesus and be able to see who he was and what he offers us and whether he really can fill us and satisfy us in our lives. So we're going to start back. Um, I'm not going to go into all the deep theology here. I think one really cool thing about this series is... um, so I, how many of you have ever felt, like, confused by the Bible? I'm going to raise my hand highest here because Lord knows I have. 
sometimes I think we look at the Bible and we don't know where to start reading. We don't know where to, where to pick up. And you read something and you're like, that is so confusing. But the great thing about these stories that we're going to be going through is it's, it's a story of the life of Jesus. And almost like um, I heard a book that talks about, you know, looking at the Gospels like an autobiography or a biography of Jesus' life. And that can tell us so much. And we don't have to always understand all the theological meaning to look at Jesus and say, man, I read this story and you can tell who Jesus is just by the way he interacted with others. So if you have wondered, where do I start reading? I want to encourage you, pick up, pick up um, a Bible and look at maybe some of the passages we're going to go through in this series, and that might be a great place to start. So most of you know, a couple months ago, we, we did our Christmas series, so we know about Jesus coming to earth as a baby and coming to, um, to be human, to live among us. And we most of us know, too, about Easter and how God died for us and for our sins. But what happened in the middle? What, what is Jesus' life between those two periods? Who was Jesus about? It's interesting that Jesus didn't really start his ministry, so to speak, until he was around 30 years old, scholars believe. Um, and around that time, you may be familiar that he was baptized by John, his cousin, and then he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and then shortly after that, he begins his public ministry. And the first time that we see Jesus recorded as preaching or teaching in the synagogue is um, Luke 4, 18 through 19. Jesus stands up to speak in his hometown, and this is what he says to the people there. This is, um, he references himself, and he's saying, this is why I came to earth. So Luke 4, 18 through 19 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And again, Jesus says, Basically, like, he reads that, and then he says, I'm the fulfillment of this prophecy. And what he's saying here is good, right? This is like, um, if Jesus were an influencer, and you were like, all right, give me your elevator pitch. What are you about? Why are you here? What's your spiel? He's like, all right, well, I'm here for, for good news. Good news for the poor. Proclaiming freedom. Recovery of sight. I'm here to set oppressed free. I'm here to proclaim the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus says he's about. And I think it's significant to see what he says about himself, and then to compare that to how he lives. Okay, this is who he says he is. Is this how he actually lives out his life? And we can tell from when Jesus begins his ministry that he is not just talk, that he is here to do what he said he was going to do. And so as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, they're all basically different variations of the story of Jesus. And he begins his ministry, and he starts healing people, and he starts teaching people. And he spends time with people, and he gathers around him 12 followers or disciples that he wants to go out and then emulate him. Um, because Jesus knew he, he was not going to live on earth forever, and so part of, um, part of how we can tell Jesus' the purpose of his life and who he was is also to see how he trains his followers to live and follow after him, right? Are we still living and following in that mission of Christ? And so Jesus says in Mark 1, 38 and 39, he tells his disciples, let's go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also because that is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so you have this picture of Jesus living this itinerant life. He was in one place and then he would move and he was always on the move because he wanted to be able to preach and, and heal and be with as many people as possible. That's who he was. And this, he did this so much that people started to recognize him and to know him and to be desperate for him. They were, maybe they heard something about him, maybe they, um, maybe they heard him speak and they want more. 
but they are looking for him. And so today, this is where we find our story, um, which, as you may have guessed already, has to do with food um, and hunger. So I'm going to preface right before the story begins. Um, I told you that Jesus had these disciples, and one of the things that he wanted to do was to train them up, to send them out, to go and teach people, to do all the things he said that he was here to do, to preach the good news to proclaim freedom, to proclaim God's favor. And so he had just finished sending out his disciples into towns in the area to go out and do just that. And so the disciples have gone out and they've been practicing and they've been working and, and, and helping people and teaching people. And then they come back and they almost have this like show and tell moment with Jesus where they're like, I want to tell you all the things that happened and this is so amazing. And so they're, telling, they're talking to Jesus about this. And so here we begin our story in Mark 6, 30 through 44, if you want to follow along. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. We're going to come back to that line. Come with me to, by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So the followers of Jesus, his disciples or apostles, went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many, many people who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. I want you to picture that. They ran on foot. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was already late in the day, so the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But what did Jesus answer them? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, no, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we going to spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five, five loaves and two fish. So then Jesus directed them all um, to, ha- or to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. This is a big group. Taking the, lo- the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then um, he gave them to his disciples and distributed it to all the people. He also divided up the two fish among them all. They ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So this is actually a story that many of you may have heard before, um, the, the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of Jesus's, um, more, maybe the more popular miracles that people know about. Um, but I want to make, I wanna make a, a point here first. When we see um, this, this story, the first group of people... Who is the first group of people that Jesus cares about in this story? It's the disciples, right? Because the first thing he says, if you'll notice, is that these these disciples have been in ministry, they've been going, they've been going, they've been going, and they come back and they're excited, but there's so many people coming and going that Jesus recognizes that they have not had the physical moment to sit and to eat. And so he says to them, come with me by yourselves and get some rest right? He, he can, makes this connection between physical rest and physical eating and the spiritual rest as well. 
And as a side note, I think sometimes as followers of God, we think our job is to always care for other people and to go and to go and to go and to go. And so we are completely depleted and have nothing left to give. And that is not what I believe Jesus models here. Jesus says, for every follower of me, yes, I'm going to send you out. Yes, it's going to be hard work. Yes, it's going to be a sacrifice. But I am not calling you to go on empty. I'm calling you to rest in me, to work through me, and to let me give you the rest and the sustenance that you need. All right? So that's the first group of people here that he helps. And so he takes the disciples to this solitary place to get by themselves. But if you notice, the people immediately recognize Jesus. And man, they are desperate for him, right? I'm trying to think, like, if there, is there in your mind a celebrity that you like so much that you would chase them down if you saw them in a boat? That you'd be like, oh my gosh, there goes Jeff Goldblum. Gonna... Oh, that's just me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But I have a feeling, okay, I have a feeling, though, if I saw this Jeff Goldblum in a boat, right, and he's going, and I see him, and I think to myself, crazy thought, why don't I chase down and, and see if I can catch him? Jeff Goldblum was not going to look at this crazy fan running on the shore and, and stop. He's going to be like, you know what, driver, let's, that pier over there, the abandoned one, let's try that one. Let's, let's not stop here with this crazy person. Um, it would turn someone off, right, if they thought you were that crazy and you were trying to follow them. And so that might be what we would expect Jesus to do in this situation. But Jesus does not act as my imaginary situation with, with Jeff Goldblum played out in my head, right? It says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So my friend Margie Wilson, I don't know if you're, oh, hi Margie. Margie gave me this great uh, analogy once. She, she was telling me about like, what sheep are like and how if we understand how sheep are, then we really get a greater picture of what Jesus is saying here. Um, so I couldn't remember everything you said, Margie, so I looked it up so I would get it right. Um, but here I found this website called farmingbase.com, and the question they ask on this website is, can sheep live without a shepherd? The simple answer is No. It says, sheep are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. They require constant care and watching over, so leaving them alone can put them at risk. Uh, this is because, first of all, sheep are prone to wandering because they follow each other, and they're prone to then get lost together. Does that sound like a human, a human trait also? <laughs> sheep are also tend, we tend to zigzag, and I don't know if that's because like, their eyes are on the side of their head, and they're like, I've got to see this way, I've got to see this way. The problem... You don't see the cliff, and then zigzag, zigzag, plop. Okay. So, and then you've got all these sheep following you, and you, you know, you can figure it out right there. Um, not great. Not great. Funny, but not great. Um, and so, again, the result of the other two issues, they, they're, they're following each other, they're, they're leading each other into difficult and harmful situations. Also, without a shepherd, they have a hard time finding food and water. Okay, they can't find maybe pasture or a place to drink. They are more prone to attack from an enemy. They're pretty defenseless animals. This was interesting, um, and I remember Margie saying this as well, but their wool, their wool over, gets overgrown. It becomes matted, heavy, dirty, and becomes infested with parasites. And their hooves are uncared for, which makes it harder for them to move, and they're easily spooked. So now I want you to picture these people chasing after Jesus, who's on the boat. And I want you to picture them like these crazy sheep, just a crazed, zigzagging, matted hair, maybe easily spooked. This is, this is a picture of desperation. This is a picture of someone that ne desperately needs care. 
And yet Jesus looks at them and he sees and he recognizes that they are parched, that they are hungry, that they are thirsty, that they need him. And his response is compassion. And I want you to understand this. I think, I think um, sometimes when we are feeling hungry, we become desperate. And, and because we're so desperate, we don't know who to turn to to talk about our desperation. Because we think no one's going to understand the depth of my insecurity. No one would really understand how broken I feel right now. No one could possibly understand um, how scared I am, how much my anxiety is crippling me. No one could possibly understand, and certainly not someone like Jesus, right? Someone that's supposed to be holy and perfect. And I want to tell you right now, that is so far from the truth because these people were just as you are, just as I am, and they were struggling, and they were empty, and they looked desperate, and maybe they stunk a little. And Jesus said, I see you, and I care about you just as you are. And that is something powerful that we can see in this story about who Jesus is, and not just how he responds in this story, but how I believe he responds to each and every one of us. He's not turned off by our desperation or our humanity. He meets us right where they are. And the first thing he does when he gets to these people is he teaches them. He starts teaching them, and that seems a little interesting to me because I'm like, really? Is that what they, is that what they need? And we don't know exactly what Jesus says, right? We don't, we don't get to see in this particular story what Jesus spoke about. I think in the future, in this, um, later in this series, we're going to look a little bit more about the things Jesus did teach. But we know that whatever Jesus teaches, it's for freedom. It is, it is to give them um, um, healing and wholeness and love and purpose. Whatever Jesus is saying to them is something that he knows is going to meet them in what they really need desperately. Beyond their physical needs, it's going to meet them in, the, in their heart, in their soul. But I want you to notice again that Jesus connects this physical need of hunger with the spiritual need of hunger. He doesn't, he, he doesn't care just for part of us. He cares for the whole of us. In fact, in some ways, again, um, we, we see this connection um, Jesus is teaching and he's teaching and man, I don't know how long his message is. The people are staying for it. And the disciples, I can almost picture the disciples starting to get a little antsy as, as the sun goes down and they're like, okay, we are really far from the most, the closest Walmart here. So I don't know, or like, there's no um, Arby's on the street corner. What are we going to do? These people are going to get hungry and desperate people who become hungry. And that's, that's something you don't want to deal with, right? So the disciples are like, let's Let's send these people away to take care of themselves and get their own food. They're doing the math. Um, they said there's so many people that if they were to feed people bread alone, it would be at least half a year's wages. Now, if, if we're in Connecticut and we're looking at minimum wage, roughly half a year's wage, um, minimum wage for 40 hours a week would be $14,000. So we're talking minimally $14,000 to feed this crowd of people just bread. So you can get a little scope of the magnitude of how many people are here. And Jesus responds by performing a miracle. He has access to more than meets the eye. He's able to supernaturally provide for these people. And so the people not only get bread, but they also get some protein and they get their fish. And he takes care of them. And I love verse 42, and that's the title of today's sermon actually, is they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. You know, we, we, I think we've all had those moments where you eat something, um, you go to like a really fancy restaurant, you spend like $50 on this food, and then it comes out and it's like two meatballs <laughs> drizzled with a sauce, and it's got a sprig of some herb, you're not sure what it is, and you're like, okay, this is beautiful, but you eat it and you're like, I am still hungry, okay, this, is, this, was not, this did not satisfy me, right? 
And then on the other hand, we can go to a buffet and we can just be like, oh my gosh, I'm digging in. And then you eat so much that you have to be like rolled out of the restaurant afterwards. And that doesn't feel great, right? And I, I think I love what the, this passage seems to be suggesting is, okay, they weren't like, they weren't like stuffed and feeling... Um, um, this wasn't a feeling of like over, over full or full of the wrong kind of food. And it wasn't the sense of like, man, I just wish I had a little bit more. It was like God gave them just what they needed. And he also, once again, cares for his disciples. It just so happens, not a coincidence, that there's 12 basketfuls of leftovers for the 12 disciples that are with him. And so again, God is showing not only the people that are curious about him, but the people that are following him, yeah, I'm able to meet you exactly where you are. Um, I think sometimes if you look at other, other areas of, um, of Jesus' life and the miracles that he does, often God will connect a physical miracle with a spiritual miracle. Um, so, for instance, there's this moment where God, Jesus encounters someone who um, needs to be healed. Um, but he says to the man, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders look at him like, Oh, psh, they're indignant. Who, who, can, who can rescue or, or who can give salvation or forgive sins except for God alone? And Jesus says this in Matthew 9, 5 through 7. He says to these uh, religious leaders, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. And again, it's another story where Jesus cared for the, the whole person, but he shows this physical healing partly as a way to prove, I have the ability to fill you spiritually as well. Right? When, I, when I care for your body, I want you to see that, that I also have everything you need spiritually as well. And just like he shows in that story, I think here, when he provides for these people's physical hunger, it's another reminder to show them, yes, I have also the power to fill you, your hunger, spiritually. Because I, I know we've talked about this, but Jesus calls himself the bread of life. In fact, John 6.35, and this might be a, a sort of a, um, a verse we learn as, as a um, church during this series. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying, I am the, the bread and the, and the water that gives life that you can come to again and again and again and be satisfied. I am the answer to your spiritual hunger, Jesus says, the thing that you're longing for. And when you ask, what is love? I am that answer. And when you ask, who is Jesus? I want you to know I'm the one who cares for your body and your soul. So even in this simple story, we see that Jesus came for freedom. He came to pour out God's favor. He came because he cares. And when I say he cares, it's because he wants to, again, take care of all of us. And I, I think as we see this story, we begin to get just a little picture of who Jesus is. And as we close out today, I want you to think about this. Um, we, we talked at the beginning about some signs of physical hunger. But man, what are the signs that we're spiritually hungry and I want to be honest here, this, this isn't just people who don't know God, who maybe, um, it's not just people who um, haven't chosen to follow God yet that feel spiritual hunger. At any stage in our lives, we can, we can have this moment or this feeling of, of neediness or desperation for God. Um, I, I decided to look up 
um, online maybe what someone else had to say about this. And so I found this woman, Helen Calder, um, at enlivenpublishing.com, and she writes seven signs that we are spiritually hungry, and I thought these were interesting. The first sign is that you're dissatisfied with the status quo. You're dissatisfied with the status quo. You know, maybe you've been living life, you've been going, you've been, you know, the world around you seem to say, if you do this and you do this and you have this and you have this many kids and you get this number of, of um, jobs or credentials, you're going to be satisfied. And maybe you're looking around and you're like, I did all the things. I still feel like I'm missing something. Maybe, she says number two, maybe a past encounter with God stirs inside you. Listen, you don't, you don't even have to believe in God to have an encounter with God. And, and maybe there's moments, if you look back in your life, maybe it was um, a sunrise, something in nature. Maybe it was the birth of your child. And, and maybe there was something that stirred inside you that said, this, is, this feels like this divine, holy moment. And you have begun to look in your life for, for more of those moments. And you're wondering, where do I find that? Or maybe as a, as a follower of God, you're like, man, there was a season of my life where I was just resting in God's presence and I felt God so alive in my life and I long for that again. Maybe, she says, Number three, maybe you're feeling weak or spiritually depleted. Again, we can, I think a lot of us maybe can relate to that. Four, maybe you have lost your passion. You used to just be driven by, by this passion or this love or this whatever, and, and you cannot find it. And so you're feeling spiritually hungry. Five, maybe, maybe you're losing your appetite for other comforts. Again, maybe related to the first thing. You're, you've, you've tried Netflix and you've tried eating and you've tried exercising and you've tried dieting and you've tried all the things and everything just seems a little empty. It seems like it's not quite cutting it. Or maybe, she says the final one, um, is that you're being stirred out of your comfort zone. You're being stirred out of your comfort zone. You feel like, you feel like there's more. That kind of, we sing this song sometimes that God draws us out in the water, onto the, into the ocean, deeper, deeper with him, right? Maybe you feel that push, that God's pulling you out, but God says, you're going to need me. You're going to need to rest in me and to be filled by me in order to go out and do this new thing out of your comfort zone. And I love the way this um, Helen words that she says, at some point, sometimes our hunger exceeds our hesitation. She says, sometimes our hunger exceeds our hesitation. And maybe there's some of you out there that are like, man, I'm really skeptical and I'm not really sure I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling weak and I'm depleted emotionally. I can't find my passion. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm zigzagging like that sheep. And I'm thinking, is this all there is? Is there something more? Again, maybe I, I keep bringing this analogy up, but when we, you know, there's nothing like having a child even and you suddenly are aware of your mortality and you're aware of um, just your desire to pass on something of meaning and purpose to the generation after you. And maybe... Maybe you're there. And maybe you've had a hesitation about saying yes to Jesus because you're like, really? Really, it just all sounds so fake. It just sounds like one more quick fix and I'm not really sure if Jesus is the answer to what I need. And my prayer is that as we go through this, that maybe you would take a chance. That maybe you would see this as a holy experiment and you would say, God, I am desperate. I am that crazy sheep right now and I need you I need to try and see if you will actually fill that void within me. And so if that's you and you feel that today, I'm going to pray in a minute. And there is no magic prayer. There is no magic prayer to begin a relationship with God. Um, God sees our hearts. 
God, God knows our thoughts before we even think them. Okay, so when, when I say you can, you can mirror my prayer, it's not because I have all the right prayer words up here. But if you want to follow God and you want to know where to start, feel free to just pray along with me. And I want to also end by saying, if you're someone who's been following God and you are feeling depleted, you're feeling spiritually empty, you're feeling really low, maybe you're feeling like those disciples, you've, you've been coming and going, people have been coming and going so much that you feel completely empty. You know, maybe it's that feeling of like someone in, you, you work in an office and people coming and going every day so much that you go, it gets to be 2 p.m. and you're like, wow, and I never had time to eat because people needed so much from you that day and you're feeling empty. Maybe it's the analogy of the parent who's, you know, you're, you're constantly running around, you're doing things for everyone else, and you're making food for everyone else, and then you get to the end of the day, and you're like, ah, I just, I never got to sit. If you're feeling that way about your spiritual life, if you're feeling depleted and run down and empty, I want you to know that Jesus says to you today, just what he said to his disciples all those years ago, come away with me. Come away with me and get some rest for your souls, because I care for you, too. Let's pray. God, um, I just, um, I know what it's like to have so many questions, and I know what it's like to sometimes feel like we want to have all of our questions answered before we say yes to you, but God, I think sometimes there's, there's, I know in my own heart, a desperation for you, God, that everything else in in the world just doesn't quite cut it and isn't satisfying me, and God, I just pray um, for anyone who's in that place and says, I want to say yes to God, I want to take a baby step, um, I pray that you'd meet, me, meet them right where they are. I pray that they would be able to come with all of their hurts and wounds and questions and insecurities and brokenness, and God, that you would fill them completely. God, we, we just come to you and say, um, we believe that you're there. We, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We believe that you came and you died for us because of your great love. And we, we just want to acknowledge that today that we want to follow you. You see our hearts. Please continue to lead us. Please continue to show us more of you as we step out. Please show us how you can fill our lives. Amen.